Hey guys, welcome to the Scripture Study Project, our podcast dedicated to helping you discover the scriptures in a fresh way, invest your mind and heart into your personal study, and connect to God in your everyday life. We are your hosts, Zach and Krista Horton. This week, we're studying sections 20 through 22 of the Doctrine and Covenants. This episode is titled Organization. And as just a brief bit of background, I have a bit of a confession. Um, it's only because it was a globally popular audiobook listed in the Overdrive app. But I checked out and have been avidly listening to and loving Marie Kondo's The Magic, the Magic of Tidying Up is what it's called which I might be the only man to have ever said that he's listening to and loving Marie Kondo's book, because even in her book, she talks about <laughs> her clients being women, sisters, mothers, daughters, etc. So you just feel embarrassed because I was raving about this book a few years ago when I read it and was like, you were like, it's not that cool. Yeah, there were a lot of eye rolls for me about, yeah, whatever. <laughs> now br- you're repenting. Your, your sweater your... <laughs> brings you joy or sparks joy, but I'm, I'm becoming a very quick, uh, but maybe no coincidence that it fell as we studied this week. Yes, yes. About the organization of the church, because it really has spurred on a lot of conversation for us and a lot about what we are learning this week. Yeah. And it's been really kind of cool. So we're excited for what we get to study with you this week. In fact, I love these words, and here's where the word of the episode comes from. But verse 1 of section 20 of the Doctrine and Covenants, we know that uh, section 20 is um, this foundational document. In fact, in the 1835 edition of the Doctrine and Covenants, this is the second edition that was published, uh, section 20 was the second section in the Doctrine and Covenants. Uh, The first section was uh, the preface, section one, our section one, but then section two was the Articles and Covenants, this founding document of the church. It was probably uh, received or written a couple of days after the April 6th conference where the church was formally organized. Um, And so some of the the revelation and the experience in that uh, conference could have impacted this writing. But verse 1, the rise of the church of Christ in these last days, being 1,830 years since the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the flesh, it being regularly organized and established, agreeable to the laws of our country by the will and commandments of God in the fourth month on the sixth day of the month, which is called April. Um, so what we want to study this episode is organization and establishment. Uh, the question that we're inviting you to ask yourself as you study uh, is, what would the Lord have me organize and establish in my life? I love this question. I'm excited to study it, but I want to follow up on some of these first that we've done the past couple weeks on Instagram and the comments that we have been getting, I think I've said this a couple times as we've shared, but I'm just so grateful for the emails that we get occasionally from people reaching out about certain points on that we've talked about or these questions and the things that you are sharing. I hope you know that they enrich what we are studying so much. It helps us to feel like there's a little more of a community. I'm so grateful that we have had a chance to even just touching with a few of you on what you're studying has just been so great. Last question, last week's question, what does God want me to change in my life? And then the week before that is actually the ones I'm going to share tonight is what is my witness and where should I stand to give it? 
I learned so much from the comments here. And again, if you want to go check check these out on our Instagram feed, the questions are there for you to look through on these people that are sharing. And the point that came out here that I just loved is I'm going to share a couple, just an excerpt from two of these. Um, first from Jessica, she says, I read more about the Whitmer family today and got my answer. So many of them were special witnesses to the Book of Mormon and the Latter-day work. Their lives were their witness to it and how they lived. Most left the church, but they remained faithful to that witness. Their whole lives revolved around that witness. My witness is my own life just as theirs was. My life is full of beautiful moments, experiences, tough times, roadblocks, mistakes big and small, progression, regression, spiritual connection, wandering off the road, etc., each moment will be part of my personal witness of the Savior, of how he sustains and carries, of how his patience is eternal, of how he loves. I'm honored to be a witness. And then from Kevin, she says, I've had the word witness on my mind and heart over the past year, and I've studied it, trying to find different meanings and how it can apply to all the different aspects of my life. I am so grateful for all the experiences I've had in my life and all that I've learned about the gospel, and I'm grateful for the ways I can witness those lessons to others by letting them change how I live. I feel like my example will be a far greater witness than my words could be. I just appreciated so much the thought of how the witness is how we live. For some reason, that hadn't crossed my mind. And um, it's so powerful to think of how that can be a deep part of who we are is allowing the experiences that we go through to be our witness. We are the witnesses of, of God at work in people's lives. So anyway, thank you so much for sharing and we'll get on with this week's question and all about this exciting subject of the organization of the church, which is, it's kind of exciting. It, it is. Chapter 20 has never been so exciting to me until this time. I know. Zach. We, we've both talked about this, <laughs> of how the topic of organization shouldn't be as exciting as it has been. But this has been really, really fun for us to study and to practice and try and make some changes. And yeah, probably because we needed it so yeah, much. Yeah. <laughs> um, two thoughts I want to share. As you're seeking for an answer to the question about what you feel God wants you to organize or establish in your life, Two thoughts to kind of guide our study in this episode. Thought number one, I've been studying a lot about creation this week, and so I turn to the creation accounts in the scriptures. Of course, the one in Genesis, the one in Moses, the one in Abraham, and uh, you may have done the same study I've done in the past, where I've compared the different accounts and noticed if, uh, you know things that are different here or things that have been added there. One of the things that stood out to me this time is this. In Genesis... Uh, the record begins by just saying, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Uh, but in Moses and Abraham, there's a little bit more description to that process. So this is Moses chapter 2, verse 2. And it says, The earth was without form and void. And I, God, caused darkness to come upon the face of the deep, and my spirit moved upon the face of the water, for I am God. And I, God, said, let there be light, and there was light. Abraham chapter 4, verse 2, says something similar. And the earth after it was formed was empty and desolate, because they had not formed anything but the earth. And darkness reigned upon the face of the deep, and the spirit of the gods was brooding upon the face of the waters. And they, the gods, said, let there be light, and there was light. 
Now, what I love about this is that um, one of the truths revealed in these scriptures that clarifies truths revealed in the Bible is that God didn't create something out of nothing. Rather, he organized something that was existing into a, an organization that made sense. One of God's characteristics or personalities is that he loves to take things in disorder or disharmony and order them or uh, harmonize them. And so if you think about it, uh, before the creation, there was stuff there, but God took of that stuff and organized it and formed light and earth and plants and everything else that he formed and created. I even like this point in thinking of Jesus's earthly ministry and what he did with many of his miracles and what he did as he lived. Um, he was taking broken things or things that were unorganized. Often those were people or situations or chaotic places. And he was creating something more beautiful. The, that's what the miracles were, is him essentially organizing yeah, things. Yeah, Well, it's the same God, right? He is the, mm -hmm. the God of the Old Testament that creates and forms the world out of chaos. And then he comes down to that world and goes among his creations who are experiencing chaotic things in their life. And then he organizes and, and orders their lives. Mm -hmm. In the small and simple ways, too. Mm -hmm. So then we fast forward a couple thousand years from Jesus's mortal ministry, and now we have the early 1800s. Uh, now, I have to pause and put a little asterisk here because I'm going to say something that I don't want to be taken out of context. And so I want to get the context right first before I say what I'm going to say. Um, here's a little bit of a soapbox. We have to be really careful, I think much more careful than we traditionally are about how we talk about the quote-unquote great apostasy. We often, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, speak about the time between the apostles' death and the restoration of the church as basically 1,800 years of pure darkness, wickedness, and evil. We call it the great apostasy. And then we wonder why we don't get along very well with our Christian brothers and sisters, <laughs> because we label all of their churches these apostate churches that don't have any good or light in them. God did not stop working with man after the death of the apostles. He inspired and he taught, and there were so many incredible Christians through the story. You want to read stories of faith and devotion? Go read the stories of third or fourth century Christians who were being persecuted by the Romans and clung to their faith on the words that they had read from apostles only. They'd never met Jesus, and some of them had never met apostles, but they just cling to these letters or the idea of Christ, and they're willing to endure persecution. And then you read the records of uh, the early church fathers. Uh, you read the record of the reformers, and all of these are people that are seeking for God, and I believe to whom God is speaking and directing because he loves them and cares about them and cares about the world. So that caveat out of the way, I think it is accurate to say that in 1820, even though there are people everywhere searching for God, by Joseph Smith's own account, uh, it was a tumult of words and of opinions. In other words, there's lots of people that are searching for truth and maybe getting answers, but it's chaotic. It's not 
organized and it's confusing to the prophet Joseph and really to anybody that's living in that time. Lots of members, early members of the church and early records talk about other people's experience being confused of what's going on. So many people seeking and I mean, as you're reading, maybe you're reading along in saints and the way that many of the members, the early members come to the church is because they were early seekers and early Bible God-loving people yeah. who were searching out but felt confusion. Yeah. So what does the Lord do? The same thing he did at the creation of the world and the same thing he did during his mortal ministry. He takes chaos and he organizes it. Section 20, verse 1, organized and established according to the laws of God. Well, now fast forward 200 more years and we have 2020, which uh, was a year of confusion and chaos to say the least. And here we are in 2021 now. And I believe that as we study sections 20 through 22 this week, and even just as we study the Doctrine and Covenants, that the Lord is as interested in organizing and establishing truth, power in our lives as he was in organizing and establishing the church in 1830. So that's point one that God loves to create order out of chaos. Point two, a little bit quicker explain. Uh, section 29 of the Doctrine and Covenants, verse 34, teaches a really powerful truth that has many applications, but I want to apply it here. The Lord says here, I say unto you that all things unto me are spiritual, and not at any time have I given unto you a law which was temporal, Neither any man, nor the children of man, neither Adam your father whom I created. Behold, I gave unto him that he should be an agent unto himself, and I gave unto him commandment. But no temporal commandment gave I unto him. For my commandments are spiritual. They are not natural, nor temporal, temporal, neither carnal, nor sensual. In other words, when God does something, he does not do it for temporal reasons alone. He always does things for spiritual reasons. So if we're looking at the physical organization or restoration of the church of Jesus Christ, that is a wonderful but physical event. I think we can look at that event as we can with any other uh, physical event, any miracle that God does, any words that he gives, any stories that we read, and ask ourselves, what is the spiritual reason or reasons behind this physical event. So long introduction, but what we want to uh, do in this episode is point out some truths about spiritually organizing our lives that we glean from the physical organization of the restored church. So basically, as you look to Marie Kondo your life, <laughs> as you look to organize your life, establish, establish your life, um, how can you do that spiritually? How can God help you organize maybe some of the chaos points in your life and maybe how you can look at that in a spiritual sense before it becomes a reality? In fact, uh, to quote Marie Kondo, one of the points she makes in her book is as you're tidying up your house, the real reason you do that is because a, a physically tidy space allows you to have a mentally, and she doesn't use the word spiritually, but but I would say spiritually tidy space. So there's a spiritual reason for the physical cleaning. And what we're looking at is the physical organization of the church, the way that it's structured, the way the revelations that God gives, but asking ourselves the question, what can we learn about organizing and establishing our own personal spiritual lives? Well, one important truth to start off with is that all things are created spiritually before they are created physically. 
And I love some of the things that I read this week as I studied from Joseph and Oliver creating the church and beginning the creation process of what the church organization was going to look like. From Revelations and Context and from Saints, as I read, just a few small points stood out to me. And the first one was that right when Joseph and Oliver finished translating the Book of Mormon, it said that they began to think about organizing the church. Revelations in Context mentioned that many people didn't know there was even an organization coming with the church, but that it was something that Joseph and Oliver had been spiritually creating. I don't know why I kind of liked that, because I thought, here they were, just the beginnings, the inklings of thoughts coming to their mind, the beginnings of revelation of something greater were happening. And I thought that's that's the spiritual creation taking place inside their hearts. The next one was maybe a little bit unrelated, but I loved what it said. Um, as Joseph and Oliver began to look at the Old and New Testament to make it says they were seeking inspiration about passages that seemed incomplete or unclear. We know that they did that, right? And I'm just going to read this paragraph. It says, Before long, the Lord had revealed to Joseph a vision first received by Moses, which was missing from the Old Testament. In the newly restored scripture, God showed Moses worlds without number, told him that God created everything spiritually before he created it physically, and taught them that the purpose of this glorious creation was to help men and women receive eternal life. I just thought, I wonder if that had something to do with with their organization of the church. Here they were learning about more deeply about the creation of the earth, just like you did, Zach, because mm-hmm. you've been studying that. And here they were doing the same thing. We're going to spiritually create this and then move on to the actual physical creation. Now, I have to add that a lot of this comes from me loving... Zach, you gave me actually Brooke Snow's book for Mm -hmm. Christmas, which I love. And Brooke Snow podcast, she teaches about spiritual creation and how important that part is. The law of creation is what she calls it. And um, I'll put the show notes to some of her wonderful teachings and products and things that she offers. But I want to give a shout out to kind of her thoughts on that too. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because it is in Moses 3 verse 5. Uh, where the Lord explains, I, the Lord, created all things of which I've spoken spiritually before they were naturally upon the face of the earth. In other words, creation didn't happen just in one fell swoop. There was a preliminary spiritual creation, a planning, if you will. The the phrase that's used in section 20 of the Doctrine and Covenants is uh, in verses 17 and 18. Uh, I love this. By these things we know that there is a God in heaven who is infinite and eternal from everlasting to everlasting, the same unchangeable God, the framer of heaven and earth and all things which are in them, and that he created man, male and female, after his own image and in his own likeness created he them. In other words, he framed things and then he created things. And I love that two-step process. And we're just beginning to wrestle with what that might look like in our own lives. But it's a fascinating question to consider yourself as you're thinking about what it would, what it is that God wants you to organize in your life. Uh, what might he have you frame and as preparation for what he might actually have you create? I also think that this puts a whole new 
what's the word, the oomph mm-hmm. <laughs> behind visualization, behind anything that you were taught maybe as a kid. I remember someone telling me I played soccer in high school. And so it was always, you know, envision yourself making that winning goal or whatever it was. And I always thought that seemed a little hokey, to be honest, Mm -hmm. at the time. But now I think everything has to be created spiritually. If we don't envision and believe in ourselves, then nothing can happen. And so just there's so much power behind that, behind that positive thinking and that really creating something and believing in yourself in yeah. some some ways, in those ways. Well, my point is, is just a brief one, but um, once you have done that work of framing and then creating, it's interesting in the organization uh, in chapter section 20, starting in verse 37, it talks about uh, the manner of baptism. And there's a whole lot on that and the duties of priesthood offices and relationship to baptism. And then in verse 68, it talks about what to do after baptism. And I love the spiritual principle here. In the church, we do the work of making ordinances. But then the rest of our covenant life is meant renewing and remembering those ordinances. And I love that pattern. We do a work and then we review or renew our experience in that work. To reference the creation again, at the end of each day, Uh, God looks at his work and takes the time to reflect on it and say God saw his work and saw that it was good. And on the seventh day, he rested and said that it was all good. He takes time at the end of his work to reflect and refresh. And I think uh, we are often, at least I am, very excited to get in and get working and get organizing whatever it is in my life. But I've noticed recently, uh, I run dry pretty quickly if I don't take time after the work to pause, to breathe, to reflect, to renew before I move on to the next uh, work that God might have for me. I think there's a powerful principle in that. Well, I love this pattern we see in the way that God works and in turn, the way that maybe we can do that too. Um, He creates something spiritually and then physically, and then he looks at his work and either sees what needs to be changed or fixed or enjoys the work that he did and sees that it's good, right? Um, And I think that this works with kind of the next thought that I had, and that was inspired by section 20, starting in verse 6, talking about Joseph and how he came to be a part of the work. It says, after repenting and humbling himself sincerely through faith, God ministered unto him by a holy angel and gave witness to him. Verse 7, and gave unto him commandments which inspired him and gave him power from on high by the means which were prepared to translate the Book of Mormon, which contains a record of the fallen people and the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, I love that process that we see in those few verses quickly. It's Joseph repenting, humbling himself. Then he sees an angel and then he gets commandments and then he has power and then he's able to receive the Book of Mormon. Um, You know, I referenced that from saints earlier that talked about after they were finished with the Book of Mormon, they began to think, we're going to organize the church. And I just thought how obviously we know how instrumental the Book of Mormon was in 
establishing a church. We know it was important in establishing the organization of the church, but do we see how important it was in establishing Joseph as a prophet, as someone who could organize the church? I don't think Joseph started out saying, this is what I'm going to do, but what he knew is that his job was to translate the Book of Mormon. But through that process of getting the Book of Mormon, he, like it says here, was humbled, repented. We saw that we've seen the process he went through to use all the different tools to translate and to receive revelation on what to do and the questions he's gone through. And here he is receiving this line upon line, step upon step, um, small and simple things, all of those that we love to think about. We see that process with Joseph and how the Book of Mormon was essential, was a huge essential step in that. And really, we look at it as a big stepping stone, and it was, but it was all those little things that got Joseph to where he was to be able to organize the church. I think there's a powerful principle for us in that. Uh, It's interesting to ponder Joseph could have stopped after the first vision because in a way he had received an answer to his question. He went in wondering about his own personal guilt and and the wrestle that he'd been having and he receives a vision. He could have stopped and said, my work is complete, but it wasn't. He continued to wrestle after seeing the angel Moroni or receiving the plates or translating the Book of Mormon or founding the church or founding a city or restoring the priesthood or restoring the Relief Society, building a temple. At any one of those points, he could have stopped and said the work is done. But each of those works was progressive in God's plan for unfolding and restoring the church. And it makes me wonder in my own life, uh, I'm focused on this current work but is God focused on something that's much broader and eternal? And this current work is part of this step-by-step, line-by-line unfolding of his work through me. It's going to hopefully change the world that I'm in, but maybe more importantly, it's going to change me step-by-step uh, step and line-upon-line. And I don't think we can discount those things that might seem seemingly small to us or maybe parts of our past that we aren't proud of that has been a stepping stone in getting us closer to God, getting us closer to this greater spiritual creation because we know that Joseph wasn't proud of all the moments that he messed up. Um, But that repentance and that humbling process was essential in order to get him to where he was and, and the great truths that he learned. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully this gives you enough uh, to begin your study and more importantly, to begin your pondering of the question, what is it that God wants me to organize or establish in my life? Remember uh, that following God's pattern, we frame things first and then we create things. After we create things, we reflect on that creation uh, and that all of that is part of God's line-by-line line unfolding of a much grander work that he sees, even if we don't. Um, I love this encouragement at the end of section 22. Um, these sections are, are very administrative in nature, um, and it could have been overwhelming. Uh, at any point along here, Joseph or Oliver or anyone else could have sat back and said, this is way too much to do. However, the Lord's invitation in section 22, verse 4, he just says, Wherefore, enter ye in at the gate, as I have commanded, and seek not to counsel your God. Amen. I think the invitation for us at this is whatever the work is that God has for us, whatever the organization is that he has for us, 
just get started. Start framing, start creating, start wrestling, and God will guide our steps as we organize our spiritual lives. Thank you so much for studying with us. Have a wonderful week. Thank you.